0: Hi, this is Hope This is Kareem Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C. And you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio Hey everyone, Matt Frazier, Doug Hay here With another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio Episode 148 to be exact Doug, are you pretty pumped for this one? I am super pumped for this one This is going to be one of your shortest ones ever I you're be here for two minutes I know It'll be the best two minutes of my week, though. Yeah, I'm sure it will. That's fine. I keep you on board. <laughs> so uh, today I am interviewing a guy named Aaron Alexander who uh, does a podcast called Align Podcast. If you just go to iTunes, you will find that. Um, and I was actually just on his podcast last week. He is a, I guess, I don't know, movement specialist. Uh, his his He runs a, a therapy place out in Bend, Oregon called Align Therapy. And our conversation for his podcast was really interesting. It was just a lot of good stuff about movement um, which is a topic that's really cool to me. You know, a lot about like how how runners um, can can improve by you know focusing on aspects of their movement, and a lot of that means strengthening. But it's not just basic strength work, or basic core work. Um, it's it's stuff done with a focus on optimizing movement, and that's something that's really interesting to me. Uh, I don't know, Doug. I mean, I'm guessing in the ultra community there isn't much of that. Much thought given to that. Uh, when in fact there probably should be, but I, I bet my you know just knowing how ultra runners are that's, that's not the uh, not necessarily front of mind. I don't think is it. No, no, I wouldn't say so. No, not one of Doug's top five tips for winning ultra marathons. No, of course not. But but you know I mean there is obviously you know form and and how you hold your body and and can maintain proper strength in different places is, is important later in the race especially. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think runners have the reputation, first of all, runners have the reputation of not liking doing anything except for running. And I, I know how, you know, I, I was that way for a long time. Um, when you're really into running training, for most of us, you're just not that interested in, in going to the gym and putting in all this other time uh, with the goal of helping with your running. It just doesn't feel like the best use of time, and it's not what you want to be doing. Uh, but for personally, for me, when I was doing trying to qualify for Boston, I did... Um, I found this guy named Mark Verstagen who wrote this series of books called core performance. And I always recommend it, even though I think the books are now, you know, not, I don't know if they're out of print, but they're definitely not, uh, being actively sold anymore. Like, I don't even know if you can find them in, in Barnes and Noble, like I found mine, uh, mm-hmm. but it's core performance endurance. And for me, it was like the first time when I went through this program and it was kind of like a, a, a movement, uh, strengthening thing that you put on top of a regular running workout. Like they had some running workouts in there, but you would do it. On top of a training plan, you wouldn't, they don't specify your long run mileage and all that. It was kind of just, you, you, put it on there. But when I did this program, it was like the first time after running at that point, probably three or four marathons, it was the first time I had felt like an athlete, uh, just like in, in the, I don't know the, the, whatever an athlete feels like is what I felt like in the way that you move, um, the way that your body feels when you're running, it just felt somehow different. Like it wasn't just going out the door and running and just doing what comes naturally, but actually thinking about the way I was moving and having focused on that. So um, it's something that I, I really do think there's a lot of, of benefit to be had, um, probably not just by runners, but I think mostly that's that's what my focus in this interview will be on because um, that's, that's what most of us listening to this or, or you know, you and I Doug, making this do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I think it's a really cool topic, and I am looking forward to talking to him. He seemed like a very good guy. And I don't know if it will be available today at this instant because I just – we haven't really talked about it that much, but the goal was that we were going to put these episodes up at around the same time as each other. So if you go over and check out uh, a line podcast on, that's A-L-I-G-N podcast on iTunes, uh, you will probably find my episode on there. If not right now, then within the next few days. So um, I think that is it. We'll get to the interview now with Aaron. Doug, this has been amazingly fun for me talking to you. For I, I know. It's been a real pleasure. And thankfully, thank goodness, it's been four minutes instead of two. I got to really soak in this experience. Yes. And next time we do an environmental episode, we will, we will get you on the interview again like we did for Calspiracy because that was really fun having Good. an environmental correspondent on there. There you go. But I'm excited to listen to this one as well. Good. All right. Enjoy the interview, everybody. Hey, everyone. Matt Frazier here with Aaron Alexander of Align Therapy and Align Podcast. Aaron you have a bunch of letters after your name that I don't understand, so can you please uh, tell me tell me what they mean tell tell the nice people what what all that stands for and what you do what your background is how you got into this uh, really I think a very very cool field with the stuff you're doing uh, which we will of course talk a lot more about
1: awesome man yeah uh, first thanks for having me on I appreciate it um, but the the letters I originally started off doing physical training and that started about twelve years ago and then that evolved into wanting to create more impact in clients' lives. And so I got into body work. So I got into uh, structural integration or rolfing. And that would be the, the CR portion of it. And then uh, got into various different modalities. It's essentially manual therapy. So massage therapy, whatever you want to call it. So visceral or organ manipulation, cranial sacral. Essentially just becoming really intrigued with how to get these moving parts of our bodies in order and then educating ourselves around how to move so that every movement becomes therapeutic and that's kind of that's that's what i'm doing
0: cool and and did you did you come to that as an athlete like just interested in it because, like to to get better or just wanted to help people and and liked you know i guess started with physical therapy
1: yeah. So originally starting off as a, I think, a really just insecure young man that wanted to pack on lots of muscle and, you know, just be perceived as big and strong and fast and all those things that you want as a, you know, for a lot of people anytime, but especially as a younger, younger guy. And then from there, started noticing that maybe it's not just about packing on kind of like dumb muscle, but really maybe the sophistication of my nervous system is more valuable than just having... Being huge. And so, what ended up happening is I started dislocating my joints. I dislocated both my shoulders playing ice hockey, I dislocated my ankle playing basketball, and the parts started falling off. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's like, but I'm huge. You know, I'm 225, 6% body. Like, how is this possible? It's like, well, because my system wasn't communicating well. And so, literally, had to kind of like reverse engineer the system, and I'm still. I'm a work in progress today, you know, 12 years later, after kind of like discovering how broken I was, I'm still seeing the remnants of all that in the past. And I see that with clients and I see that with, you know, the world in general. And that's what we're doing, what we're doing.
0: Yeah. So uh, we, I met you because I was on your podcast a few weeks ago and Mm -hmm. uh, to clarify, which I mentioned in the intro that I wasn't sure if they were going to be going up the same day or what, but um, that's going to be going up on Monday, June 13th. Yes. So that's the time to go – actually, you can go over whenever you want, but that's the time if you want to hear my interview uh, on your podcast where we talked a lot about that kind of stuff, kind of you uh, know, specifically about runners. Uh, and, yeah. and that's what most of our audience is here. So I think that's kind of where we should focus most of this. Um, I read a while ago in Tim Ferriss' book, Four Hour Body, um, that I think he was talking about CrossFit endurance, and he was talking about – uh, I mean people will think what they will about CrossFit. I'm not gonna go into all that here. Uh but you know, he said he said when runners show up to CrossFit, pure people who are pure runners, that they were always shocked at how how weak they actually were. Or maybe it was that the CrossFit people kinda like to joke about how weak the runners were when they showed up. And I think I think that's kind of what you're you're getting at here, and that's the, that most of us, even those who think of us are ourselves as as active people, like for example, someone who who goes out and runs on the roads and, and you know puts in forty miles a week. Um can really be way, way out of balance and and not be strong and not be moving in any sort of efficient manner. I mean, maybe our bodies have kind of learned to to get the job done as a runner and, and you know our, our our lungs and that system can be pretty well developed, but it's possible to to kind of do pretty well as a runner and be get better and better as a runner without having ever figured this stuff out. and I think when people do in my experience when I did it, and really only scratched the surface of it. Um, I, I, found a lot of improvement there. So I think, I think that's, uh, kind of a nice, a nice area for us to focus on. So, I mean, yeah. from your perspective, why, why should runners care about this? Right. Cause runners don't, don't want to do anything but run that that's just kind of the fact Like they don't, they don't want to go to the gym and, and I'm not pointing fingers cause I'm kind of the same way. Like when you're into running, that's just what you want to do. Everything else feels like a waste of time. Uh, right. so why care about this?
1: Well, you know, it's like walk before you run kind of thing, and so most of us come from a place where, you know, a majority of the world is working nine to five job. We're putting so much energy into this sedentary, sitting lifestyle, which that's becoming like a, a buzzword now. Which. That's a whole other topic I'd love to get into in the relation of like the difference between the varieties of sitting. Because there, a, a, there is a possibility to sit well. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's an art. It's a skill. The same with standing well, walking well. But in order to get into that kind of the, the, the more subtle mechanics of it, you have to get interested. And usually it ends up taking an injury or some catastrophic event happening before you give a dag you know, about, <laughs> about how I actually move. No, but getting into just slowing things down enough to see do I have full function through all of these chains of joints, all the way up from my toe hinge up to the top of my head, up to my you know, my cervical spine. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. Um and I think I, I also would really want to go where where you said with the sitting and standing, because that's that's definitely a, a hot topic. You know, <laughs> as we mentioned in your episode, um the sitting is the new smoking idea. Uh, and I know that you weren't the biggest fan of, of, you know, simplifying it quite that much. Yeah. Um, let's, I guess let's go there in a minute. Um, as far as like, what, like what's a, what can a, where can a runner start here? I mean, it, it's listening to you talk about it. It sounds like, um, it's a tremendous endeavor to kind of, you know, really dive into this and really learn about it. I mean, you know, realistically, most people aren't going to go to the extent that you have or, or get super into this. Um, Hmm. some might which would be wonderful Um, but like where so where where would a runner start like what's kind of the minimum that we should be doing in addition to just going out and, and running well that 's the
1: beautiful thing is you don't need by reducing your system down to toe hinge ankle hinge knee hip you 're going to get confused and mm-hmm. it 's going to be frustrating but there's certain archetypal positions that you can put yourself in you know such as picking something heavy up off the ground it doesn 't need to be heavy you can be picking up a you know a, a gallon of water off the ground there's more and less effective ways to find to 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 uh, perform that movement it 's a deadlift right so as you're coming down. You can start from ground up. You can start thinking, okay, have my feet facing forward, right? If I'm running, just like if I were a NASCAR, I want my tires to face forward. Same concept as I'm running. Right. So starting off as I pick that up, have my feet facing forward, then you can create a little bit of rotational force, external rotation, turn your knees out slightly, which is going to engage the glutes. And then understanding how to hinge at the hip, which is the strongest, most robust joint we have in our whole entire body. And most people in modernity are not actually even using it because we're elongating it and shutting it off by sitting down all the time. And be so being able to hinge at the hip, being able to keep a long neutral spine, keep you know your head reaching up. And then coming all the way down through that full range of motion, coming all the way up and maintaining that integrity the whole time—that's going to clear up a lot of potential movement faults just by practicing that one movement. And then taking that into squatting or to, you know just real small baseline movements. Can you effectively pick something up off the ground? Will translate to do you have enough hip extension to run? Mm-hmm.
0: You know, does, yeah. So yes, and I and I. Also, I'm getting out that there's kind of two parts to this. There's there's the knowing what to do and, and knowing how you should be running. And then there's having built that into your muscles and kind of a muscle memory type thing uh, from having done exercises that are that are going to, first of all, strengthen you, but also kind of teach your body that this is the way you're supposed to make this movement. Um So, I mean, so like, just, if someone's listening to this and says, okay, this is cool, I, I realize that I am probably really weak here because I never think about things in this way and I don't do anything but run. Like, where do they, where do they go? Like, is there a book you recommend or a program or are there people that people, we should be following, listening to other than you, of course? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, where, where, like, where to start?
1: Yeah, uh, well, Stuart McGill is a a great, great resource in relation to uh, creating stability in your midsection, and specifically in relation to runners. You know, something that I see oftentimes with runners is they have two lacks of a midsection. Right? And So if you're able to have a really strong integrated core midsection, you know, the analogy that I use is a tether ball. Right? If you have a strong post, then you can smack the crap out of that ball and you're going to get really good torque around the pole. But as soon as you had you know, a, a, like a, a Twizzler's post, you hit that ball, it just falls over. You don't even have a game. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so that's a, a really, really crucial component is being able to find integrity through that. So he has a couple exercises. He calls them the big three. It's essentially different varieties of planks. Right, but just integrating that midsection is a great start. I think Gray Cook is a fantastic resource in relation to you know functional movement, movement uh, assessment and figuring out a couple baseline markers of do you have full range of motion. Uh, buddy Kelly Start, who's one of my you know one of my favorite folks out there in the world, he has amazing information. I like to think that I have good information. You know, there's there's so many resources out there.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> you know, that's, that's 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 a start.
0: Yeah. So. I, I guess what, what I'm still trying to get out here um, is you know like like what do you actually do like um I mean I guess that that makes it sound overly simplistic but it, like like what can a runner do on a daily basis where, where so that, so that it's not this big project like I need to go learn and listen to all these guys and like this huge overwhelming thing I need to go do all this before I can improve like is there a is there a two-minute drill thing someone can do before every run or in the morning when they wake up that that's just going to kind of start someone towards moving better uh and i don't mean to be putting you the spot i kind of oh no it's great um i mean is it something like that that like you know just just begin with this i mean there's all kinds of different series of exercises and series of uh core exercises on runner's world and every other site but it's hard (laughs) to know like what of that is is real and what they've just looked at another site and put it up you know
1: (laughs) right Yeah. Uh, so obviously it depends on, on the individual what's happening. But something that I see in my clinic on a daily basis is sloppy feet. You know, so people end up having pronated feet, they end up in the navicular, the that that medial bone there end up essentially just being smeared against the ground. And then we go out and run on top of that foot. That it needs to we need to develop the architecture of that thing. You know, so Coming back to squatting, I think squatting is one of the most effective shotgun approaches. Of first, get some video. I mean, you could look at you could look at my website. You look at there's there's millions of videos out there in relation to how to do a functional squat, uh, but you're gonna get so much bang for your buck with that because you're looking at developing the architecture of your feet. You're looking at stacking your hips over your feet and, and keeping that organization all the way through the spine. You know, so I would say get a kettlebell. That would be a great example. Okay. You know, every morning, wake up, swing your kettlebell and really get fascinated with that hip hinge. Really feel your glutes engage maybe for the first time in a while. You know, and, and as you start to get that gluteal engagement, what you also end up getting as a byproduct of that is support and stability through the sacrum, through the lumbar spine. If you're listening right now and you squeeze your butt and you feel the whole shape of your spine change, that means you can you have some architecture, reorgan, architectural reorganization to do around that. And simple archetypal exercises like deadlifting, squat, is a really simple, safe foundation to get started from, and then. For from there, we can build. Like that's by no means where I want to stop. Is like that's how I want to live my life as a squatting, deadlifting guy. Like I want more than that. But until you can do that, I wouldn't recommend you move you move on. Yeah.
0: Is that? Yeah, is that, I think that, I think that that's crazy? perfect, and I and I love that. That is really simple. Right? I mean, that's that's not a series of twelve new exercises that you need to do each day. Uh, very few people will argue with with the. Value of squats and deadlifts. I mean, and, and often when they do, it's oh, you shouldn't be lifting such heavy weight. You're going to hurt your knees, you know. And I think probably a lot of that is is uh, you know just just not really true if you do it correctly. But I love that you that you recommend just a kettlebell. I mean, it's not you don't need to have 250 pounds on your back to to get no. that stuff right. Um, like, do you know? Have you heard of Mark Verstegen? Do you know him? I don't know. He wrote no. a series of books called the Core Performance Series. And uh, it was a bunch of rubber bands and stuff like that, but it, it, very, very small, low body weight type exercises. And I did that for a while when I was in marathon training, and that's where I you know, was first exposed to a lot of the stuff that you're talking to. And uh, it just – I don't know. It, it just sort of comes together. And I think what you're describing um, with the way that you kind of feel things and, and really feel things engage and you, and you, like you said, kind of get fascinated with it. And, and even walking down the street or walking upstairs, you start noticing – are you engaging the right things? Are you moving in the right way? Uh, and I think that's really, really—I don't know—it's it, fascinating in in some sense. That it's just really a fun. It was for me very fond memories of when I was so in tune with all that stuff. Um, yeah. Definitely, and as I said in the intro to this, that's when I kind of first felt like an athlete, not just a runner. So um, definitely agree, and, and I think those are—that's a wonderful place to to begin. Can I add something? Please do. That,
1: since you mentioned since you mentioned bands, you know, yes. so something that would be worth the price of admission for pressing play on the podcast would be get a band wrap it around your knees so you have some type of objective force to push out against with your knees because a lot of this stuff is a little bit too existential for people like okay like squats are pushed out and you know we're just there's no weight being distributed so it's kind of like I think I'm doing it right. Get a band, wrap it around your knees, and break that band. You're not gonna break it, you know. If you break it, you know, call me up. I'll I'll give you a (laughs) full refund, you know. But break that band and push as hard as you can, and you will feel your uh, your glutes. Engaging and you will see, look down at your feet and you will see the arches of your feet engaging, lifting that tent that it's, that it's supposed to be in a normal functioning foot will start to raise up and you'll have, you'll begin developing these archetypal athletic positions, right? But just having a little, some type of, Something to push against is a right. big deal. It's right. you know, it's, it's the difference between like swinging a baseball bat against and actually hitting a ball, and just swinging it and not having any reference point. Of like, I think I'm swinging it right. Uh-huh. You don't really know till you got a reference point.
0: Hmm. Interesting. When you uh, when you talk about using the band and trying to you know, imagining you're trying to break it, um, is that is that during a, a squat or type thing, or are you just just standing there yeah. as its own exercise? Both. Right,
1: okay. so, so as a, obviously you know, if you're loading the bar up with a whole bunch of weight and you're in the gym and you, you got your you know American flag bandana on or whatever, you're probably not going to want to bust out the band at that moment. But as far as preparation goes, yeah, I mean, and, and it would be fine to bust the band out when you, when you got the, the bandana on as well. Like any time, it's going to be great. But it's 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 the training wheels, mm-hmm. right? It's it's teaching your neuromuscular system the 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 language of of sequencing. Right, So engaging those glutes, hinging at those hips, and really firing, creating that rotational force through the pelvis. But if you've never spoken that language before, it's going to be really challenging. And that just kind of develops the conversation.
0: Yeah. Cool. I like all that. Uh, and I guess I guess then the next question probably is, like, how did we get here, right? You, you mentioned people who, who may not have fired their glutes correctly in, in a really, really long time. And and right. someone who goes out and runs every day, you know, isn't necessarily exempt from that. Like they they may be someone who hasn't really fired their glutes the way you're supposed to in a long time. Um, so this gets to then kind of what you were referring to that that it's not just sitting versus standing, and it's not just exercising versus not exercising because right. you can be a runner and probably be other kind of athlete as well without actually really doing it ever correctly. Pro- you know, pro- probably because from the way we live the rest of our lives. Um, and, and I mean, and that's some of that spills over into, into running. Like if you run the same route every day and it's the same pavement and it's not on a trail or it's not on hills and every, you know, you're doing the same little half second movement, however many tens of thousands of times and calling that a workout, um, you know, you, you can see how it's possible that you would develop imbalances and, and just have certain muscles that just don't get any, any attention at all. Um, so, I mean, so where does, it, where does it all come from? Is it is it just... As simple as modern world has, has kind of jammed us into into a space that we don't fit? I think it's a lot of things.
1: You know, uh a fellow Romanov, the guy from are you familiar with Pose method, the guy that yes. runs on ice? Yep. Yeah. I believe it was a lot of people have said this, but I'm I'm taking it from him of uh, essentially children around first grade. All of a sudden, their mechanics just get blown out. You know, if you take a child and just let them be barefoot and run around the woods and the grass and do their thing, you look at their hip hinging and their squatting; it's immaculate. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, we feel you know in the last thirty or forty years, whenever high-heeled athletic shoes came out. We feel that like we need to change the fundamental mechanics of our whole entire body because, you know, Nike says so or whatever it is, yeah. you know, and then, and then on top of that, then we force these kids that want to play and they want to develop their nervous system via touch and texture and movement. And we put them in chairs, and we give them books, and we force them to get into this rote lifestyle of memorization and studying to the test, and completely abandoning creativity, right? And that's you know that's metaphor for what's happening in the body as well. We become linear, robotic movers at a young age, and then there's a few you know minority yourself, and I like to think of myself. Uh, of people that that recognize this around age whatever and start piecing themselves apart, parsing all these things out. But I think it's a product of sitting desks. I think it's part of high heel shoes. And then the other thing that people do not talk about is insecurities. You know so by not having enough uh, capacity for emotional expression in school because you want to be a big strong boy or whatever it is you don't want to really talk about your emotions that might wrap you up a little bit in an uncomfortable way that you're not able to really communicate how you're feeling would might put you in a physical posture of hiding and guarding and protecting and what that ends up manifesting what that looks like guarding protecting posture is medial rotation of the shoulder girdle pronation valgus knees pronated feet you know all these different mm. things it's like, oh, we can describe this in any which, whichever vernacular you want, but it's all saying the same thing, right? Different languages saying the same sentence in different words,
0: right? But it's all the same thing. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I'd never really heard that, that third part before, um, but certainly seems like a, like a valid theory. Is, it, is that the only kind of um, stifled emotion that then manifests itself, or, or is, it, is, is that just one example of, of many?
1: No, well, so in, from my perspective on things, the emotions that we end up getting stuck on are the uncomfortable ones, right? The feel good, woohoo, we win, yay, <laughs> right? That's like, yeah, it's good. You put yourself in to a very open position. Open position being long, neutral spine. Right open uh-huh. position being standing up on top of your feet, hands up over your head, finally, bringing circulation down through your arms and your shoulder girdle, you know it's like we end up from that position, our blood, our lymph, you know our synovial, everything is is moving yeah. it's not until you say, "Oh God, you know, and you're scared or you' you're you're you know you you're about to cry and you end up going into that contraction that's when we end up holding on to stuff. It's it's a little bit of a bummer that that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, That's the stuff that we end up holding on to. So because of that, it becomes f- super imperative that we do self-work. We do self-care. We have a movement practice. We have a means of kind of when there is a bottleneck in the traffic that is our lymphatic system or our venous or our arterial flow or whatever it is, we have a, pra- a daily practice that opens up that bottleneck, right? Every day at 5 p.m., we're all freaking out and it's just traffic stops like – that's a good time to maybe go for a run or, you know, or do a meditation or do whatever it is that makes you feel good, that allows your body to, to flow. Am mm. I going like off the deep end here? Is that still I'll the ground?
0: <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think you're, you're just close enough to the deep end where I think it makes it really interesting, you know? again <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I mean, no, I like hearing new, new stuff like this, that I've never heard before. I think it's really cool. Um, so yeah. So when you mentioned like a daily practice, um, I, I again thought you were going to go to one of those routines and like do these 10 things is it, is it more just have something that, that for you works and makes you feel like, you know, those emotions that, that would kind of open you up and, and just make your body move?
1: Bingo. You know, we're, we're consumed in this world of, of again, linearity and doing things that we think that we're supposed to do. Going to the job and, and you know, trying to get the next brass ring or whatever it is. Inevitably, all the, you know, the, the successful, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing air quotes, people <laughs> that I know, they reach that point of success They're disappointed, you know, because they feel kind of deceived. You know, they think that they get to that point and they're going to be happy, and they then they end up achieving that million dollar goal, whatever it is, and they're still them, you know. But the but the people that I you know I just got back from six months and I was in Africa and Europe and cruising around and studying movement and blah blah, you know. And one of the things that I witnessed with that is that oftentimes the poorest people that I was spending time with smiled the most. Imagine that. Right, Mm -hmm. So they were barefoot. They're out, you know, hanging out in the sand. They're in the sun. They don't have all this nonsense schedule stuff that they feel like they need to be attached to all the time. And they happen to be really, really healthy. You know, Mm. so if we can kind of just tap into that, people call it flow state, you know, whether it's music, whether it's writing, whether it's going for a run, you know, whatever you're into. I was just reading a study in relation to uh, African dance and drumming. So you know, it increases DHEA and natural killer cells, and you know, it's like, yeah, yes, of course. You, know, you can shine your flashlight, your scientific flashlight, on any little nutritional panel deal that you want, and it's just say, like, whoa, when you do this health. Uh, this beneficial thing for you. Wow, you see that these different hormones end up increasing. That's great, but you could shine that on any one of those hormones or neurotransmitters, and it's going to be going up. But mm-hmm. we just we need these scientific studies to back it. So it's like that's great that we have them, but just finding something that puts you in a kind of a flow state, if that if that word makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, people. it does. And this is funny. I always a lot of people have asked me before, like what. Um... Well, I guess it wasn't from asking. It was more that t- talking about like if if you kind of want if your whole life is a mess and you just want to start, you know, you you have all these billion different habits you want to change. Where do you begin? The place I always tell people to start is uh, is by creating like an anchor habit. And basically, for I think what that is the the way to really get your life in order is to just start carving out some amount of time for yourself. And it doesn't matter what you do, but just pick something that that you like that that isn't urgent. It's just something that you always kind of feel like, man, if I if I just had 30 minutes more per day, this is like where I would spend it. If I had no obligations, not, just nothing else to do, this is what I would do. I always tell people that's like, that's your first habit. That's where you start because that's going to start to pave the way to everything else, um, which sounds a lot, you know, like like the same, for the same reasons that, that you're talking about here. Uh, however, though, I was going to say, so it sounds like, um, we would need to qualify that somewhat and say, well, let's make it something with movement. And, and that's where we can begin getting healthy. But you mentioned even something right. like reading when, when you just listed a bunch of things. Um, so how does that, how does that jive with, with all this? Like, I mean, because often people read, it's not, not in any sort of opened up posture. Um, sure. Is is it just that, that it kind of gets you, you know, gets, gets you in a nice state and then, then from there, you're going to exhibit those movements throughout the day?
1: Yeah. Well, so we'll, studies show that body language language is about 65% of the way that we communicate. Then it's something like 30% is tonality and the rest of it is actually the words that we say, Right. right? And that obviously depends on the individual and blah, 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 right? But we communicate via body language, right? So when you see somebody and they're feeling kind of down or kind of bored or kind of aimless or whatever it is, you can see that in their body. Right, and you can see that the way they present themselves, the way they walk and sit and stand, right, and our, so our limbic system, portion of our brain that ends up being, you know, like the fight, flight, animal, mammalian, um, that's the same part that ends up being responsible for the tonus of our musculature. Same part that's relating emotional self is sending the same f- frequencies, saying, "Okay, when I am feeling really anxious, the tonus of my musculature is going to get a little bit higher." Right. When I'm feeling really relaxed and just real oh wow, we're in the hot tub and I just love everything about or I'm reading my book and I'm just so comfortable and feel so safe here, the tonus of your musculature will then downregulate. It will relax. Right. So but by getting by going bigger than just thinking exercise, right? Or just thinking perfect diet. It's am I it's joie de vivre. Do I do I genu- am I genuinely stimulated by my life, right? Because if you don't love your job, if you don't love your relationships, whatever it may be, I promise that will have a physical, physiological impact on the structure of your body, right? And so it's 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 that it's the question of why that I'm really intrigued by. <laughs> you know, what's the point of any of this stuff? Yeah. Right. We can become we can become very myopic with 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 anything, and that'll take us so far, but eventually. If the sustainable approach is going to be the one that you are smiling and enjoying yourself the whole time. If you're martyring yourself for your fitness, you will give up unless you're like really committed, you know,
0: and then but you aren't happy. Yep, yep. This uh this for me brings to mind the book The Blue Zones, which I would imagine you've you've come across if not read um where where the you know as far as diet i mean that that's kind of a different topic but but you know whole foods of course lots of that stuff uh but when it comes to movement and exercise very few of the of the longest living people in the world uh i shouldn't say longest living in the world but in, in these pockets where they have very large percentages of people who live to be 100 or more um the the type of exercise they do isn't what we in this culture think of as exercise it isn't that they go out and run for 30 minutes a day or go to the gym this many times per week it's that they do gardening Or they live in a hilly area. And then they've got all this other stuff around them, which is related to longevity, which are the things you mentioned, that that they are happy because they're surrounded by loved ones. They feel a sense of purpose in their life because even in old age, they're respected and still have roles and jobs and things to do because they tend to live with family members. Um, So all this stuff is tying in. I think it's really interesting, and it's so much more than then what we want to do, which is give it this little prescription and say, well, then the way to fix it is to start standing instead of sitting. And, and that's like, that's now the key to health or 30 minutes a day of exercise and and a healthy diet. Um, it's, it's something much more holistic than that much, much deeper and bigger. And I think, uh, I think it's really cool to kind of, to, you know, just to hear you point that stuff out, uh, from a perspective, you know, coming at this from just starting to talk, talking about movement, um, that I haven't really heard before. So I think it's, it's a really cool thing.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And something to add on to that, you know, something maybe that a few people out there might enjoy really thinking internalizing your movement practice, you know, so, so instead of working out, think working in. Right. And so when you're picking up a weight, you could put a blindfold on yourself. Right. And really, as opposed to thinking how many repetitions I'm doing, how much the weight is or whatever it is, what does it feel like to be able to move? In the first place, just getting down to the nuts and bolts of, wow, like I am the operator of this super system here and really becoming engaged with what it feels like to hip hinge, what it feels like to pick up a heavyweight, what it feels like to go for a run. Instead of thinking I need to run for 40 minutes, I need to go this many miles or kilometers or whatever, think – What if I went off the trail a little bit? What if I really just got intrigued by every single step that I take and then I get to the point where I feel kind of tired, my running sloppy and I am grinding my gears, then I stop, (laughs) you know, then I take a walk and then I become intrigued by every step that I take as I walk. Then all of a sudden I recuperate and I go for a run again, right? That type of thing. If you're genuinely intrigued by yourself and by your movement practice, that's sustainable. Right, and that's the seed. It's teaching someone how to fish, as opposed to continuing to feed them fish, or going beyond that and getting someone excited to fish in the first place. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so this this inspires me for sure. Um, but then I start thinking about: I know how I am, and I know I like having a regimen to follow, and I know that if I tell myself start playing the drums more, that I'm not going to actually do it. Or if I tell myself start eating better, you know, or or start eating more salads. I'm not actually going to do it. I need a rule that says make make your salad have it ready while you're making dinner so that you actually eat it because then it's way more interesting than than anything else because there's no other food as that's available right then, but once it's on the table then you know then then with the other food I'm not going to eat the salad um and i I'm the same way with you know with workouts you know I, I want to know exactly what I'm doing as a run um and i and I'm just gonna imagine that many people have the same mentality because that's what we've done for so long. Um, and it would be wonderful to totally escape that and just say, I'm throwing all the training plans out and I'm just going to, you know, pursue my curiosity and let my imagination run wild on my run and, and, you know, frolic through the woods, which I'm not making fun of that at all. Like I think that's really cool. And, and I would love if that was really how I worked out. Um, so, so what do you do as a, as an in-between step, like on the way to that type of mindset? Um, do you, I mean, is it, is it go for a run and, and do push ups here and there every, every 10 minutes? Or is it, is it, you know, is there a sort of prescription type thing that we could, that you could say like, here's, here's kind of a way to start moving towards this different way of thinking about movement instead of just exercise?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's changing your perception, which that all of a sudden that gets into a, a huge wormhole that not a lot of people are willing to, <laughs> to necessarily jump into. It's like, we all see things differently, you know, so it's like stoic philosophy 101. It's not about the events that take place, but your perception thereof. You know, so getting into that, mm-hmm. it's, it's a process, man. But something simple, tangible, something that we can really, you know, bite into, I would enter a competition immediately, you know, whatever, like it needs to matter. You know, you need to get up you need to say, people are going to see me do this. In 45 days, uh-huh. you know, all of a sudden everything shifts. It's not this like, eh, maybe I'll change my diet, whatever. It's like, no, people are going to see my fat ass doing this thing. If, like, I need to change this immediately because I'm on a timeline, I'm on a deadline. Same thing, writing a book or doing, getting anything done. If you don't have a deadline, create a deadline. You know, and that would be, I think, the fastest way to see really, really phenomenal results in your, in every aspect of your life. Put little subtle deadlines in there. You know, but like I did a, I was in a my first ballet performance last year, and I started ballet. I started yeah. ballet like four months before that, uh-huh. and I didn't realize that the the class that I was taking, they're like, you know, this is actually for a performance, right? I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right, and, and you know that you're the only guy in this class, so you're gonna be the lead, and wow. it's like, all, all right, I, <laughs> I guess. I guess I'll learn some freaking ballet in the next three months, you know. And, and it became relevant, you know. But it, until it really becomes relevant, you know, you, until you have some 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 skin in the game or money in the line, you probably won't change unless you are masterful with really getting into your own perception. But that again, that's that's a bigger 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 bag of kittens. Yeah.
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I think your example is a good one um, because you know even me like I was thinking okay well instead of running. Let's think about how how we can do running in a more adventurous way, a different more, you know, add some more variety into running. But, but your example, I mean, what what you do for for a change of pace is go go and take a ballet class and enter a ballet competition. I mean, that so so maybe maybe the answer is get out of the running box, right? I mean, you don't necessarily have to do running as your exercise. You could do total, something totally different. And I think even when we think totally different, most people aren't thinking ballet as even an option. I mean, not even coming up as as a, one of the choices. Uh, so I think that's really cool. I think it's a. I think that's a really good uh, I, I, for anyone brave enough to do it. Next step, not necessarily ballet, but just something that's totally out of out of the realm of what you've considered before. I think that's a, a wonderful. Uh... Way to get out of a fitness rut for sure, and, and and I am personally inspired right now to do something like that.
1: <laughs> yes, and maybe not even, and, and maybe it doesn't even necessarily be, need to be traditional movement based. You know, maybe there's like a, a improv improvisation class in town somewhere mm-hmm. where it's like, oh god, I need to think on my feet. Well, guess what? Your body is is hardwired into your brain. Your movement pattern is a representation of your thought patterns. And so, if you're able to think on your feet and you're able to express with your body. Then you are exercising and you are getting smarter. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is when we when we're talking about body language and you gotta be upright and you gotta show your heart and open your shoulders and raise your those are again all archetypal positions of stability, support, and balance, right? And you can fake it till you become it, you know, or fake it till you make it or whatever, unless you have some real deep compensatory patterns in there that you either need professional help with or you need to really get interested in with yourself, get some books, get some guidance, you know. But it's it's finding that once you your body language can become that movement practice right now whoa now we're in a new paradigm where literally every aspect of my life becomes therapeutic whoa yeah
0: right cool so um i guess in some way we're risking you know turning someone off here who's saying well i got to work 8 hours a day and this all sounds wonderful and i've got to commute and i've got all this stuff so so we're you know, for someone who who getting out of the office, out of the cubicle or whatever is not really an option. C- certainly, in the free time, do whatever you want, and I hope I hope people do. Um, what about though when you're when you're kind of confined to to ten hours of of commuting and working a day, and there's there's not a lot. I mean, certainly breaks and things like that, and maybe that's what you'll suggest. Um, but what does somebody do to, just to avoid a 10 hour stretch of their life each and every day, almost except for the weekends where, where they're, yeah. they're really not doing any movement. I mean, what do you do to combat that?
1: Sure. I love that question because I, as I, as I mentioned, I've spent a lot of winters traveling around the world. And yeah. during that time frame, I'm on a lot of compromised, uh, positions, being on planes, being on buses, being in random hitchhiking things on top of trucks cruising through wherever, you know, and it's like in those time frames, it's. To me, again, it's the perception of the event and, oh, this is a challenge. How do I maintain integrity in my mechanics as I'm in this position, right? So as you're sitting in the office, that's great. Sitting down can be a therapeutic experience if you're stacking your blocks, right? So for starters, I I mean, probably a high percentage of people as they're listening to this are sitting down, right? So you can start off. Now, all of a sudden, your butt is kind of like your feet, You want to have that really deep grounded support with your butt, right? So you're going to have those sit bones or the ischial tuberosities, the bony things coming out your butt cheeks. You want to pull those guys apart, open up the pelvic floor, really find a good foundation. To support on. Next step: see, can you get your head on top of your those sits bones? What you're going to need to do, because if you're driving in a car like mine, you probably have a bucket seats. You're going to need to get a foam roller, get a water bottle, get a small child, whatever you got to put behind your thoracic spine. Thoracic spine being the middle portion of the spine that kind of comes up, comes back like the hunchback part. Put it right in the apex of that curve. And then from there, oh, wow, diaphragms opening up, pericardium, heart tissue opening up. Well, all of a sudden, it feels like I could maybe stack some weight like people do all around the world on top of my head and transmit that down into my sit bones. If you can feel that support, if you've got a buddy with you, have them push down on your head right now. Do you feel a break at your cervical spine? If yes, change it. Bring your chin back, right? Next, next level up, do you feel yourself crumbling forward? If yes, change it. Come back a little bit more, right? You should always – of the time, be able to feel if you put 100 pounds up on your shoulders or on your head, feel that weight evenly distributed down throughout your whole entire body. If you're able to do that, then your body is in line. It's creating energy. If you are at any point compromised, then you are creating friction. You are getting tired. You are wasting energy on being in this compromised position. So sitting down, you can sit well, right? That's Mm -hmm. a start. As well, make sure that you're you're the, uh, speaking about your butt cheeks, your pelvis. They're up above your knees. So if you put a ball on your thigh, it would roll forward. That way, you can have some distribution of weight down into your feet. Keep okay. your feet facing. Keep your feet facing uh, facing forward. It's okay to splay the knees because that goes into that external rotation, gluteal engagement. Now you're practicing functionality. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> so like, I you know you see people sitting on on whatever they are, the, the blown-up balls and stuff like that. Yep. Um, is that a legit thing or, or is it just kind of by being mindful like this, it's not needed?
1: It's a legit thing to a degree. It could also be covering up compensatory patterns, right? So a lot of the most squirrely people that we see, it's like, wow, you're so flexible. You're so squirrely. You're, you're, you're amazing. Well, oftentimes, they're just wobbling around dysfunction, they don't have that hip hinge. They don't have range of motion through the toe hinge and the ankle joint. They don't have stability through the spine, but they keep on wobbling. So metabolically speaking, better. But from a, from a long-term foundational, creating a, a foundation to your structure perspective, I would sort out these other foundations before I got into stability work. That being said, yes, get a stability ball. It's, you know, it's like, but, but have that in there as a tool, right? You know, so I would recommend having a standing desk and then have the option to sit And then have the option to sit down on the floor. If you're sitting down on the floor, which I know this isn't going to apply to a lot of people, but for a lot of people it will, right? You have a laptop. If you're sitting down on the floor, you can look up lotus position and yoga, right? Then that's literally the exact same thing that I'm explaining. But instead of being sitting down like a normal chair, you're now sitting on your butt. But all all the same principles apply, Right, And then going from there, so now, okay, we're in that position. Now I did that for 10 minutes. Now I'm going to go into like a dojo, kind of sitting on my shins position, stretching, opening up that quad tissue, opening up the knee, and still finding that same stack. Then I'm going to stand. Then I'm going to sit normally. right? And, and then I'm going to go take a walk. And I'm going to take my shoes off, walk outside, and do my calls on the phone or do my calls on, on uh, a speakerphone and uh-huh. take a walk as I do it right? Mm. We can do this. Like we, we can change this modernity and, and sitting in an office to being significantly, massively healthier than what it is. It's right. just, we don't have the education. And then as well, our baseline, our bodies, it doesn't feel good to move for a lot of people because we haven't moved well yet.
0: Right. Right. And it's, I mean, it doesn't feel good to stand either. When you, when you first get a standing desk and, and try to do it, it's really hard for a while to, to even get used to that. Um, yeah. But I like, I like that you mentioned, I mean, the idea of, of just kind of mixing it up. I was going to ask you if, is standing in all cases better than sitting, even if you're doing sitting right? Uh, and, and is someone, you know, if they had to choose, would they be better off standing all the time than sometimes standing and sometimes sitting? Um, it sounds like, it sounds like, no. I mean, it sounds like for you, it would be sort of do do as many different positions as you can. I mean, not, maybe not as many as you can, but, you know, do a bunch of different things. Is that is that accurate?
1: Uh, yeah, so once again, it comes down to the foundation and the structure and the integrity of your stand and of your sit, mm-hmm. right? They're just different ranges of motion, right? So as you're in a standing position, right, your musculature, it's just different degrees of contraction and and flexibility, right? As you sit down, it's just a new range of motion, right? We need to go through a full range of motion. So we need to go into a full, you know, they call it third world squat, which is ridiculous. It's just a human squat, right? <laughs> but go into a third world squat and be able to come all the way up up into standing. That, that's what we need. Right, so if you're sitting in a chair and you're at 90 degrees, you are practicing 90 degrees of flexion at the knee. That's what you're you're working out right now. That's that's the, that's the motion that you're isometrically practicing. Okay, you need to expand that and go through the full range of motion, just like if you were in a gym and let's squat all the way down, butt to ankles, right? And then we're gonna come back up and we're gonna stand and we're gonna work. You know, it's Tadasana on yoga. We're working on really finding that integrity through the whole system. The whole thing is. Every moment is an opportunity. We need to change our perception on that. It's not just I'm here at the office for X amount of you know, hours or whatever it is, and then I'll go work out. No, right. no, no. Right. You started working out the moment that your eyes woke up in the morning. Right. As soon as you roll out of bed, how am I rolling out of bed? Am I rolling out of this, the bed in kind of a sexy way? Do I have a partner there? Am I attractive to her or him you know, as I get out of bed? Or do I look like a slob? You know, it's, like, it's, it's starting immediately. You can work on this. Every hmm. moment's exercise.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, um, yeah, it's just I'm, I'm like I said, very inspired. I I I, I want to go make some of this stuff happen. Um, <laughs> how do you remember? To, how do you remember to focus on this in every moment? Tie a, tie a little ribbon around your finger or something. Because
1: everything else feels horrible, right? Mm-hmm. So it's 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 like anything. It's if you get your 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 uh, you're your running up to a higher degree where it's like, wow, now I can you know, run a mile in six minutes, you know, whatever it is for that feeling of when you can do more than walk a mile. If you had a taste of that again, you'd feel horrible because you know what it feels like to have more aerobic capacity. Right. Right. So from a mechanical perspective, when you know, when you taste it, when you, you have a taste of, of functionality in your body sitting like a slob or standing like a depressed, you know, subservient individual, it's not comfortable anymore. And you're like, well, but it's so comfortable just to kind of like crouch over and put all that stress and stickiness in my organs. You have connective tissue throughout all of your viscera, your organs, right? Throughout your heart, they're all relating to the psoas muscle, what everybody talks about in relation to running and such. They're all bound together there. When you end up compressing that by folding yourself forward, you end up sticking that together. Then when you go up into extension to open up, you're stuck, bud. Like you can't, you can't move because you stuck yourself in that position. So when you unstick and you come back and you have just a taste of stick again or adhesion, it doesn't taste good, right? <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's the thing. If you can get to that point where, where dysfunctionality feels gross, you're on the right track, but first, we got to figure out what the heck functionality is, and that's kind of what we're working on.
0: Cool. Well, I'm going to dive into this stuff. i like I said, I'm, I'm really interested in this. Um, two more questions for you, mm-hmm. and, and maybe maybe we'll want to do another episode or something once once I've got some experience with with this, and then want to want to share that with other people. Like where to, you know, just where to, where to begin and what to do. Um, mm-hmm. But I got two questions for you that are that are very common among runners. I, one's not a question, but. Um, foam roller runners love foam rollers it's it's yep. our it's our favorite favorite tool right. um, what what do you think about that I see I see on your website you've got a little uh, package that I think includes what looks like a foam roller um, so is that does that mean you're you're a fan of this this' Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Foam rollers are interesting. So they get a lot of, they, they got good rap. They got bad rap. It's like coffee. You know, you can look up and find a million reasons why coffee is the best thing in the world or the same thing on the other end. Yeah. Right. So foam rollers, the thing is most people are using foam rollers incorrectly. Right. So when you're looking at, at tissue adhesion or stuckness, right, we want to get, or dehydration, we want to get tissue layers to be able to slide on top of each other. Right. So we want to have that. We want to have fluid tissues. Right, And so when they get bound together because you were sitting in the same position all day long, you weren't allowing to keep that, that fluid movement going throughout your system, they get stuck by pressing a foam roller down on top of adhesed tissues and just putting it right on top. That's not going to disadhese them or un- untie those or rehydrate those, mm-hmm. right? What you need at that point is you need a ball or an elbow or you know something to think of it as more like we're getting in between what's called the muscular septa, which is the space in between the muscles, which just so happens to be where acupuncturists shoot for with meridians is in between there. That's where most of the mechanoreceptors are, et cetera, et cetera, right? So if you can get in between that musculature and start thinking of it as like world's most friendliest scalpel is the analogy that I use. Of you're literally getting in and starting to open up those muscle bellies and then bringing more movement into that system, that's a more effective way to use a self-care tool. So in in that situation, the way that I would use a foam roller, I use it as a lever for joints, right? So I'm thinking like with the hip, for example. If I wanted to get more hip extension, then a ball wouldn't be necessarily the most effective way because that gets in between muscular septa. I want something to pry that hip open, Right, So then I could put the hip right in front of that little bony thing in front of your pelvis there. It's called your anterior superior iliac spine. You're going to put it right in front of that guy and then from there, you can start to lever open a little bit of space in the front of the hip. On top of that, you can start engaging the glutes, engaging the posterior chain. Right. And so by doing that engagement of the backside, it disengages the front side. And you're starting to really find an equilibrium front to back, inside, outside, left, right. Mm-hmm. Right. So using having a, a full toolkit, I think, is important. Balls separate muscular septa. Foam rollers get into levering joints open. Bands do a whole bunch of other stuff that we can talk about if you want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. And is that is that why? We've seen new kinds of foam rollers come out, like the was it the Enzo roller, where where you got the little discs on there, uh, and then yeah. the beaded ones. Is that is that the idea that that, that would somehow separate muscle fibers more? In
1: my uh, arguably humble opinion, I would say all the different designs of foam rollers are bogus. Honestly, oh, yeah. I think what you what you need is a cylinder, right? It's <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's, you know, it's, like, it's got the microfibril super. T- <laughs> it's like, dude. It's a freaking cylinder, all right. You know, it's it's not about the tool, right? It's when you go to a marathon, you see the guy that has like the new super excellent, you know, eight million dollar shoes. He's gonna lose to the Ethiopian guy every time. Right, it's not. It's 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 all about the intelligence of the user. If we can focus that energy on the intelligence of the the user, then all of a sudden, you know, a spoon becomes a really good self care tool, or the edge of a a chair becomes a good self care, or the edge of your car, your pickup Hmm. truck, right? right? You know, so if you have enough creativity because you have enough education. Around your body, then all of a sudden, man, anything becomes self-care opportunity. But that being said, having a nice little kit—you know, I call it the self-care kit, which is the hollow foam roller, screw-on lids, balls, bands, all that stuff inside. Then from there, you have a really good starting point to be creative from. But it's all about the intelligence of the user.
0: Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And you do have a kit I, I see now for sale uh, yeah. on Amazon.
1: Yeah, which is cool. Just yes. Yeah, Sold almost sold out as of right now. I need to send more shipments in. <laughs> so, thank you, thank you, people. There you go. Good,
0: <laughs> wonderful. All right, so well, actually, I actually do have two more questions, not just one now. Uh, mm-hmm. because you brought up shoes, and I can't believe I forgot to ask that one. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the typical advice is there's a different running shoe for everyone, and it, and it kind of depends on the person. Do you have an opinion about, about that? I mean, is you mentioned the high heel, of course, not being a good thing earlier. Um, Beyond that, is there is there I mean, do you have a certain philosophy around running shoes, or is it is it basically kind of you know what I would imagine that it is, is something so, sort of minimalist, but sure, it's not about the tool. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I'm standing on a foam roller right now as we're talking. Oh, okay, <laughs> you know, if that gives you any sense of my opinion, and I'm barefoot, right? So there's there's a, a fancy term called positive support reaction, which is something that happens in your feet and your whole lower body and your whole body when your feet have something to grip. Onto. So when you're walking on rocks and walking on land and barefoot, you know, or in a minimalist shoe, if you're able to actually activate that musculature of your feet, your feet are complex, man. You got 26 bones and 33 joints and a zillion movement potentials from there. It's like a chess game, your feet. Right, so if you you want to give everything you can towards expanding that sophistication of your feet, if you dumb them down and put them into steel tube boots all the time, they will get real, 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 real stupid, right? <laughs> because they only are going to become as intelligent as you ask them, right? And so it's it, but then the the balance with that is. If you have stupid feet, I apologize to anybody, I'm offending by calling your feet stupid, but you know who you are if you have stupid feet. Uh, then you need to do work to get to that point of just full-blown minimalist shoes, right? Because if you're already blown out and you already got the whole navicular pronated thing that we were talking about earlier happening in your feet – Right, you already got a a bunion that's being formed, and it's just like you just got bricks down there. Right, going straight into minimalist shoes might blow you out even worse because you're probably walking around flat pavement all day, which isn't—it's not a lot for your 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 feet to adapt to. Right, it feeds off of that adaptability. Right, so I would recommend having as much support as you. If you've been wearing you know five-inch high heels for the last five years. Get four-inch high heels, then get three-inch high heels, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so similar concept, if you've been wearing orthotics for the last five years, maybe get a little bit less support, right? And then maybe take your shoes off and walk around grass for a while. Walk around on some like soft rocks for a while. Really get intrigued by developing the musculature of your feet. And what you will feel is – You'll genuinely feel more yourself. You'll feel stronger. You'll feel like, you know, wow, I can kind of do almost everything a little bit better now that I have muscles in my feet to support my, you know, it's the foundation of your body. Yeah. Right. But you start to build upon that. And eventually you can be barefoot on pavement and go for a run and you're strong enough and you're sensitive enough to be able to guide yourself through that. Most people are not there right and yeah. that's the thing that's right. that's 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 when minimalist shoes get a bad rap because people that are unprepared get into that and they have blown their feet out worse right, right? but it's right. it's an education right
0: so you mentioned orthotics is there ever a moment then i mean obviously it's it's not always the answer to jump from orthotics or or whatever you know even if it's not to that extent but the built up shoe to the minimalist shoe is it right. ever the right decision to to get orthotics i mean for for some small amount of people is that could that be something to a short-term thing that you do in the meantime? And then that's where you begin your, your journey of moving away from that?
1: Yeah, yeah. And this is kind of one of those suspect questions that can make a lot of people, you know, angry because we have strong opinions about yeah. orthotics, pro-orthotics or, or anti-orthodox. I again it comes down to the individual basis. If someone is so blown out that there's no way that I can coach them through developing that tent in their feet without them. They're just going to forget about it. Right. So for that person, what I would say is sure, get some orthotics make sure they're not the hard fiberglass BS. Like you want to have some, some, uh, some suppleness in the orthotic. Right. So make sure that you're able to actually have a little bit of integrity, a little bit of engagement with the feet. And then if you're just standing in place You know, working at the working behind a counter or something like that, you're probably going to want some orthotics because you're already blown out. You don't have the architecture and and the intelligence of the feet to support you. So let's do something to send a new stimulus in there, and hopefully that will start to realign the knees, realign the hips, realign the pelvis, all the way up the chain. And then from there, we got a deadlift, we got a squat. We need to move with more intelligence, right? But crutches are fine, right? Sometimes you need a crutch, but just because the crutches served you for two months doesn't mean you should carry around crutches the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a story about that with like yeah, – everybody's heard this one where you, 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 you build a boat to get across the river and then you got across the river and you like the boat so much because it served you. So you carry the boat on your back for the rest of your life. That's what we do with orthotics. <laughs> You're unnecessary, like, your body is smart enough to move barefoot, I promise. But maybe it's not right now. And I think that should be highest on your priority list. <laughs> you
0: know? yeah, right, right. I like it. A very, very common sense approach. Uh, and I, I think people will, will really appreciate this. Last question I've got for you before we get to where, where to begin with your stuff. Um, what about stretching? Everyone, everyone's everyone got an opinion about that one, too. Um, you know, good, bad, static, dynamic. What do you think? Uh,
1: absolutely, absolutely, yes. <laughs> Perfect. All right. See you later. <laughs> It depends, you know. So I would, so I would, I would say it's going to be. It depends for every single question because it depends on what's happening with the individual, right? But it depends on, for one thing, what you're shooting for, right? If you're looking to be a contortionist and that's how you make your living, static stretching probably exactly where you need to be yet, right? But if you're looking to be an athlete, then static stretching isn't really going to apply that much to you being athletic, right? You, When you are going through, say, dancing, for example, right? We talked about African dancing, how it increases DHEA and all that stuff, right? When you are doing that and you're coming through a full range of motion for a squat and then you're bringing your arm up over your head and then you're bringing the other arm up over your head and then you're coming into a lunge and then you did a little jump thing, weren't you stretching there? Weren't you going through eccentric loads and concentric loads and doing all that same movements that you'd find with stretching, right? The difference is you're training for your life right? We only have so much time in the day, right? So I would invest that time into, you know, it's the old Pareto 80-20 principle. You know, invest your time, energy, money, movement, whatever it is, into that 20% that's going to have the biggest effect. You sitting on your butt and doing some static stretch with your hamstrings, where you end up probably collapsing your thoracic spine and perpetuating that folded forward position that most of us are already, you know, overdone in, that's probably not going to serve you this, to the same degree that putting some music on and going through maybe a full range of motion of a squat and then coming into some lunge stuff, maybe bust out a cartwheel. That's a stretch, right? <laughs> you, know, you know, It's it thinking, thinking a bit bigger than these small dogmatic boxes that we put ourselves into. Now, I'm static stretching. Now, I'm dynamic stretching. Uh, what if we just moved better always <laughs> like an
0: animal? Right, right. Good, which which is you know it, it, that seems to kind of sum up your your philosophy about a lot of things. Uh, that it's that if we kind of take a step back and look at it in, in more of a holistic sense, um, you know that that's where the answer is to be found. Not in, not in putting things in categories and boxes and, and trying to take from each one. Yeah, unless, um, it
1: serve, unless it serves you. Sometimes that box it's like a crutch. It serves you for a time. The question is, are you able to get out of the box?
0: Great. All right. So uh, if someone. Like myself is inspired by this and wants to really dig into all you've got uh, going on at your site and your podcast. Where should we do that? It's aligntherapy dot com. That's where I'm cruising around right now. Yeah, uh, that's it. Of course, the Align podcast. But once on the site, is it, I mean, where, where do you dive in? Is it get the uh, the self care practices free download?
1: Yeah, um, that's, that's a great, that's a, a great easy, free place to start. Uh, from there, I have several hundred videos on there. I have courses. I have the, the self-care kit, which I think is great. I use it a lot. Uh, I always keep it with me in the car, which is essentially, like I said, already mentioned before, foam roller balls, but everything you need to see it. And uh, yeah, aligntherapy.com is, is the place that you'll get everything. That's the hub. And then from there, all the little spokes come, come twirling out.
0: Cool, and the Align podcast. Uh, you can hear much more of similar conversation. Uh, only I was the interviewee, not the interviewer, uh, on Monday, June thirteenth, at the Align podcast, which you can find on iTunes. Um, so that it—that sum it up, Aaron.
1: Yeah, I would like to say that your interview, my interview with you, you are much more interesting than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so so. this has been really good
0: (laughs) i mean we i i I thought this was gonna go half an hour and we went an hour because i i got more and more questions i I, really i think this is wonderful awesome so uh, i appreciate your time i appreciate all this really good info and uh it's been a pleasure to talk to you i hope we can do it again sometime love it man look forward to it all right talk to you later bye